Post-game reaction here on the Cougar Tracks podcast, and it's powered by kslsports.com. I'm not driving this time. I'm just sitting here in the west side parking lot at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. It's about 5.15 p.m. Mountain Time, Saturday, November 18th, as BYU falls to Oklahoma 31-24. to I'm laying down this podcast before I head over to the Marriott Center for BYU basketball against Morgan State. So you won't hear any ambient noise of driving and being on the freeway. It's just me in a quiet parking lot seeing the lights glisten on Lavelle Edwards Stadium one final time for the 2023 season as the Cougars fall once again to close out the home schedule Four and two at home this season. Five and six now overall. They're faced with a do or die situation next week at Oklahoma State. But I got to get into my thoughts here on this BYU Oklahoma game. BYU looked like they belong against the Sooners. Think about where Oklahoma was in that Red River game against Texas, and you watched that game in October and you thought to yourself, Goodness gracious, Oklahoma is going to put the hurting on BYU when they get to Provo. No, not at all. Wasn't the case at all. In fact, BYU squandered opportunities to win this ballgame. This wasn't a case of BYU tacked on a touchdown late to make it feel closer than it was. No, BYU kind of missed opportunities to win this ball game and pull away. The most devastating play of the game, and I heard a media member in the post game saying, it's going to be brought up a lot, and it's more than just one play. It's like, dude, the pick six from Jake Retzlaff, the Bowman from Oklahoma, swung everything in the game. It was a 14-point swing. It was as costly of a mistake as you will find in BYU football history. I truly believe that. I mean, I think off the top of my head, the games of BYU past, costly mistakes that sink BYU. I think back to 2016 against Utah. They were in Salt Lake, first play of the game, pick six. I think of the pick six against Utah in 2018. The the mistakes in 2012 against Utah. But to see something so drastic where you think the momentum is swinging BYU's favor, you're going up against a blue blood program in Oklahoma. You've got all the momentum on your side. You've limited and rattled the freshman quarterback that came in for an injured Dylan Gabriel. You punch that in from two yards out, you're probably winning this ball game. They go to an RPO. Jake Retzlaff decides to throw a pass instead of handing it off to Aiden Robbins. Grave mistake. Oklahoma returns it 100 yards for a touchdown, and ultimately they win the game. Again, it's as devastating of a turnover as you will find in BYU football history. I challenge you to find another momentum swing like that one because it took all the energy out of the building. Credit BYU's offense for bouncing back the next drive and scoring a touchdown, but still, they were on their heels. They had to fight back again and again 
instead of being in the, on the lead and being on the attack against Oklahoma. Missed opportunity. BYU's ground attack, though, I came away very impressed on Saturday. 217 yards. Aiden Robbins was outstanding. 22 carries, 182 yards, an average of 8.3 yards per carry in the game. L.J. Martin only got one tote. It was at the end of the second quarter, the second-to-last play of the second quarter. One carry, three yards. Jake Retzlaff had 13 carries, 29 yards. And Deion Smith got a few touches as well. Robbins was great, and that was the type of player that BYU thought they were getting before he suffered the rib injury. You think about Robbins, too. He was honored on senior day. He's a guy that needs to come back. He's finally building that momentum up and finding finding his groove in this BYU offense. He should run it back one more year. Hopefully he can stay healthy. He's dealt with the wrist injury, the rib injury. But if he can stay healthy, he was great. Jake Retzlaff, hit and miss. The mistakes were devastating for BYU on Saturday. We talked about the pick six, but also a devastating, well, not devastating, but a, a big momentum swing was the punt return from Parker Kingston that sets BYU up in, in Oklahoma territory in the first half. And then BYU fumbles the exchange in shotgun. What is going on here with BYU and the ball security? Jake Redslaff, I thought the best thing about Jake right now, and he threw some good passes. That one nice touch pass in the second half to Chase Roberts over the shoulder, that was a good ball. But his best attribute right now is running the football. He gives another number. Teams have to account for that RPO, and he opens up the run game. And for that, you're almost tempted to keep going with Jake because you saw Aiden Robbins come to life and you're going to need that guy next week in Stillwater. But at the same time, Jake Retzlaff was careless with the football. You take care of the Rock, you're probably winning this game. I didn't leave that game feeling like, oh my gosh, Oklahoma's talent was incredible. I was saying to some media around BYU, I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday, waiting for practice, one of the days this week, and I just said, this is not Oklahoma of old. You see the ranking, you see Boomer Sooner, you see the mascot, you see, you know, that that logo, that brand. This is not the Oklahoma of the past. I honestly wonder if Oklahoma is a byproduct of a weaker schedule. Remember, they had to have Georgia on the non-conference. They That got moved because they're going to the SEC. SMU steps in, and the Mustangs are good this year. They're 8-2. and two. But I just feel like Oklahoma's schedule has kind of lifted them up to higher levels than maybe they are. Maybe they are closer to a 500 team like they were last year than than what we're seeing because I just I was not impressed with that Oklahoma talent. You know the 2009 Oklahoma team that BYU beat in Jerry's World, that was one heck of a football team and I know they finished 8 and 5, but the NFL talent on that team was incredible. Sam Bradford, Gerald McCoy, Jermaine Gresham, you go on and on. There was so much talent. Even back in the early 2000s when they had Roy Williams, Teddy Lehman, Oklahoma's had elite talent in the past. I just don't see it as much right now. And maybe that's going to get an uptick as they go to the SEC because 
We know that recruits are infatuated with certain conferences, and maybe that's just the boost they need. But part of me also wonders with Oklahoma, do they become the next Tennessee? Where, or I don't want to say Nebraska because Nebraska is just a shell of itself. I don't think Oklahoma is going to follow that level. But maybe Tennessee, where you're kind of this team that's a perennial 8-4 and four team, but you can never really can break through. Tennessee's best season was last year since 98. And still, you know, it, it really, they had a New Year's Six game, yes, but that maybe that's the peak, and that happens once every 20 years. Otherwise, it's back to seven, eight wins. Is that what Oklahoma becomes in the SEC? I think it's possible. And, yes, you're going to cash a ton of checks, and you're going to be happy, and you're going to be living the high life with the, the paychecks, but are you going to be happy with the on-field product? Because that Oklahoma team in the SEC, they're going to be eaten alive. Because I've watched BYU every snap this season. And for BYU to gash Oklahoma like that, whoa. Haven't seen that all year from BYU at all. And BYU's played Sam Houston, Southern Utah. They haven't played a murderer's row at the beginning of the year. They weren't running the ball at this level. Now, Aiden Robbins is healthy, like I said. L.J. Martin's healthy. He didn't really play, though, but he's healthy. Deion Smith's healthy. They've got a healthy stable of running backs for really the first time this season. Still, that offensive line for BYU has struggled mightily. And they were pushing Oklahoma back. I know Danny Stutzman, the Oklahoma linebacker, who he had that big sack, that forced fumble on Retzlaff. He was hooked up to an IV, apparently, according to Brett Venables. He was dealing with a cold flu, wasn't feeling well. And maybe that could have been a case with Oklahoma throughout, and maybe they just weren't motivated. I don't know the factors. But still, their performance was kind of underwhelming. I, I wasn't too rattled by, oh, no, the game's going to switch for BYU with Dylan Gabriel out. And I honestly think Jackson Arnold maybe has got a higher ceiling than Dylan Gabriel. But, you know, BYU squandered an opportunity. They had this game. It was there for the taking to close out senior day, to get that sixth win, and to do it against a nationally ranked Oklahoma team. Squandered opportunity. But what I do also take away from this game, BYU is not rolling over and dying on the season. There's something to be said about that. And look, that's not going to make you feel good as a fan because ultimately you want the win. But the effort is there. It is. Because this could have been easily a spot where BYU just says, you know what, let's get the senior blanket after the game. Let's be done. Move on. Nothing to play for. We're a three and a half, you know, three, three touchdown underdog. We're going to get smoked. Let's just go about our day, roll over, and be done. You come away from this game today feeling like, okay, they might have a shot, a shot to take down Oklahoma State. I think the challenge is going to be tougher in Stillwater than it was here because as we've seen in Big 12 play, home venues, just they swing the potential outcomes of games. Home field advantage is real in the Big 12 Conference. Even though Oklahoma had a ton of fans, it was probably the most out-of-state fans that I've seen at LES since probably 2017 Wisconsin, 2004 USC. You want to go back that far. It's going to be a tough challenge next week, but I like that BYU's got a little bit of momentum. 
it'll be interesting to see what they do at quarterback. I just feel like the success of the ground game maybe gives Rhett's laugh an edge. And I feel like this is kind of the week, the way that BYU set it up, to where it truly is a quarterback debate. You can't spin the angle now of how they've been talking about the status of Keaton Slovis, that he's made a ton of progress. He's close to 100%. He's been dressed. He's been suited up. I don't feel like you can say that he's ruled out or an emergency-only QB in this spot. I think this is a deal where, okay, this is a competition now. Keaton's got to earn the right to get the job, as Kalani said a few weeks ago. Let's see it play out. So that's an interesting element heading into Thanksgiving week next week for the Cowboys in BYU. I thought the energy, too, in the opening quarter was noteworthy. Chaz, you got the start at middle linebacker. Good for Chaz. As you heard here on the Cougar Tracks podcast, he's pretty candid that the coaches didn't believe in him. They just straight up did not believe in him this season and didn't think he was a fit for this group. So he got the start. That was a cool moment for him. But BYU's first offensive series, the mistakes again that go beyond the turnovers. Jake Retzlaff had a nice throw to Cody Epps at the sticks. Third and five. Pick that first down up. He drops it. Chase Roberts, the play before, he drops it. Can't have those sort of drops. Those are the mistakes that are just inexcusable. Where are the BYU receivers that catch everything? It feels like every single week we're talking about a receiver or two dropping a pass. That's inexcusable. Can't happen. Especially some of those ones where you're wide open, you're right at the sticks, you have to catch that. Will Farron had a nice kick. That was a boomer that he had at the end of the first half. And Farron has been a nice revelation for BYU. He's only a redshirt sophomore. He's got two more years left ahead of him. That was a 49-yarder. And he was booting kicks up to 57 yards in pregame, and it was with distance and through the uprights. I hope the momentum continues for him. He's 9 of 12 this season. He's actually someone that they can turn to and rely on to get points in that 40 to 45 range consistently. That's a nice luxury for BYU to have. But all in all, I thought that BYU offensively, too many mistakes. Defensively, they kind of wore down in the second half. They were just asked too many times to come up with a stop. But I like the effort. I thought the execution at times, they gave up some big plays through the air. And you thought, okay, Oklahoma's going to blow the lid off this thing. But BYU stayed resilient. They kept battling. They kept fighting. Jackson Cravens had a sack on Jackson Arnold in the second half. That was a nice play. But still, not enough pressure on the quarterbacks for Oklahoma. Tyler Batty had one on, on Arnold, but not enough. They, didn't, they don't get home on the quarterbacks enough, and that's a little bit discouraging as, you know, when BYU doesn't create takeaways, they're not going to win games. This is a BYU team where you can trot out the cliche win the turnover margin line, and it feels like that's almost the tell of the tape. That's what it's going to be. If BYU doesn't win the turnover margin, they will lose the game. They have to get takeaways. They're not getting takeaways right now, and that's causing them to lose games. Plain and simple. BYU's got to take care of, take care of the ball better or else they're going to lose. But it's a missed opportunity again for BYU. I, I just think that that was something that you're going to just think back and go, what if, what if 
it's one thing to lose and just get thumped. Like Iowa State where you just go, it is what it is. You were just terrible that week. But these sort of games linger because you go, you're not going to get a chance to face OU and Provo again. Even though some of the Oklahoma media I was talking to going down on the elevator right after the game ended, he's telling me, man, I told the AD for Oklahoma, Joe Castiglione, get a home and home here in BYU. This trip's been awesome. And I'm thinking, hey, why don't you tell Castiglione too? Back out of the SEC and stay in this Big 12. I'm telling you, it's like Oklahoma in this Big 12, maybe the paychecks aren't as big, but they can be near the top. They can be annually contending for the 12-team playoff. They would still be vying for the playoff in a 12-team era right now. Will that be the case in the SEC? We will find out soon enough. But I would love to see an Oklahoma-BYU home-and-home series. I would love that. I would love to go to Norman and see that stadium, how massive that place is, and see that in person. I just think that one thing when it comes to these fan bases that visit Provo for the first time, I think they get blown away by the hospitality. BYU rolls out the red carpet for these teams to to give them a great experience. And I think tip of the cap to BYU for that, these fans leave this place feeling pretty good. And, you know, you'd rather have them feel good about a loss, but they seem to enjoy their experience being in Provo. And that's pretty cool. Because I think 10, 15, 20 years ago, that wasn't the case. I don't think people would say anything about the game day experience about BYU. It was just like, ah, you know, great backdrop, but there's nothing else to really write home about for those people. Now it's the views. It's the ice cream. It's just there's a hospitality factor. BYU, say what you will about BYU, the school and whatnot, but there's good people in the BYU fan base and the BYU school. They give to others. It's just there, there's a good atmosphere here at BYU. There really is. It's a great place to watch a college football game. And I have to remind myself how lucky I am to kind of see these views on a regular basis because the Oklahoma media, which was the biggest media gathering I have ever seen from a road team, it was huge how many media members from Oklahoma were covering this game. They were just in awe of the mountains, the views, and it was pretty cool. I mean, it's the, this is a great setting for college football. I love the morning game. I thought that was a lot of fun to have a 10 a.m. kick. I just I thoroughly enjoyed that. But all in all, it's a missed opportunity for BYU at the end of the day as the Cougars fall to 5-6 and six on the season, 2-6 and six in Big 12 play. Oklahoma still in the thick of the Big 12 race. Hey, we'll be talking about the Big 12 race tomorrow on 1st and 12. Myself and Matt Biamonte, he's filling in for Alex Keery on 1st and 12. We'll recap more about this BYU-Oklahoma game and also talk about all the news and notes around the Big 12 conference, the tiebreakers, the craziness behind it all, the race for the championship game. It's going to be a lot of fun. So I'll talk to you tomorrow on 1st and 12. And make sure to subscribe to this podcast, Cougar Tracks. Give a five-star rating and a review. It helps out the show a ton. I'll talk to you next time here on the Cougar Tracks podcast. And it's powered by kslsports.com.